Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kHz on your AM dial. Uh, thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show, highlighting issues around homelessness and rooming houses. Hi, I'm Bill, and each week on the Living Free Show, we highlight one of the 12-step programs that assist recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery experience and show us that shared experience save lives. Today, my guest is Rebecca, a member of Gamblers Anonymous, and she'll be sharing how GIA has helped her recover from gambling. So, welcome to the 3CR studio this afternoon, Rebecca. Thank you, Bill. So, we usually start talking about growing up and family and things that influenced you. So, what was life like for you growing up? I think I had a pretty um, normal family life. There were no issues there. Like, we used to go to um, holidays every every summer down down Bowen Heads, Torquay, that sort of area. Dad used to tow the caravan down and we used to um, stay at local caravan parks and had had a ball and every day all the fellow campers would um all the kids would get out and play cricket and obviously been a summer sport and that sort of stuff and we'd mix and mingle and uh, overnight we'd um sit in the caravan it was mum dad and uh one one sister and and myself and uh we'd normally play a game of cards and um you know obviously divvy up the, the matches out of a matchbox or for those who can remember the old copper coins, we used to... One and two cents, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used to, you know, play until someone had, had won all the little bag of goodies. And, um, um, like, during the, the, the winter months, you know, mum and dad were at work and I was at school. And um, school life was a bit bit difficult, especially the um, latter part of primary school and during... Uh, Secondary school, I was um, odd person out, so to speak, and target of bullies, and so school life was was somewhat difficult, and um, managed to managed to get through it, and uh, got my highest highest school certificate, and and went on to uni, and and um, um, eventually um, spent a couple of years unemployed, and you know because there was a uh, recession late 80s early 90s and eventually got a job up at Canberra and, and that was pretty much the home life right okay um, so you said you had a couple of sisters so how did you get on with them um, fine um, I don't know whether it was a, a normal thing but you know they uh, one, one sister sort of like was eight years older than me and sort of like had her own life and the other sister was more at home and got to see more of, and I thought she was a bit um, a bit pushy and that sort of stuff. But otherwise, just a normal brother si- sister 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 relationship. Yeah. So, what about friendships at school? Uh, non-existent, pretty much. No, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. Just didn't 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 not, happen. Didn't, didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you find that hard being isolated that much? Um. To a, to a to a degree, like it doesn't, you know, in hindsight, it doesn't stand out as being overly difficult. Um, uh, it was more the bullying and the 
the the all the constant unwanted um, attention that I got that time um, was more the more the drama. Yeah, I think it's a factor in all children's school life. You either get bullied or you see bullies, and mm. I can remember my childhood watching kids being bullied, and it's not. You know, for everybody, it's not a pleasant experience because you really feel for the kid who's getting bullied. It's yeah, well, this was back in the day too, when it was wasn't such a much issue as what it is. No, not at all today. No. So there's, there's there was support was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, back back then. So that that's the, probably the main cause of the drama. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so did anybody in your family have any um, drug, alcohol, gambling issues? I would. I would say no. Um, my grandfather on my mum's side used to bet on the horses from from time to time. Um, his his brother also into horse racing and betting. I suspected the grandfather's brother was an alcoholic, um, but I I rarely saw him to yeah to, to see to, that yeah. to see that. Yeah. But I, like I saw it, but I, I just thought it was just a standard part of life rather than being a an addiction. Yeah. Okay. Um, so when did you first realise, you know, apart from playing cards and things, that gambling was something that attracted you? I used to do a few other things at school as well, like with the playing the marbles and the um, the, the, the trying to win cards, like the old the old footy, footy card. cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like I never used to win. So during primary school, high school, it, it really wasn't um, uh, gambling wasn't a major influence on my life. Um, I st- although I still have vivid vivid memories of being in a um, uh, there was about four or five fam- local families that um, did a Melbourne Cup sweet and my horse won and and it wasn't so much the money that I won but the, the joy of winning and that and that that one event stuck with me for a while despite having gambled for marbles and cards and that during primary school and high school but it didn't really kick in until um, my mid twenties right um, when I went to I moved up the Canberra to work and and um, was able to go to the casino up there and uh, had a sizable win first up and that's pretty much when it really started to take become a, a, a factor yeah and um, although over you know the subsequent ten years or so between say mid nineties and mid two thousands it um it I went on a you know once a month once um every couple of months um I was able to walk out yeah when I'd lost my money yeah and so it wasn't a major issue but um during that time at, with work I was able to I I was realising I was regressing backward with my social skills and people skills and um, people at work and um, so for me it was a gradual gradual decline in into gambling. Okay, um, so initially you sort of played for loose change. Yep. So how did the win affect that when you won that money at the casino? How did how did that affect what you? thought gambling was about it um for me it was an e- easy easy win e- easy money yep little or no effort to to um 
to win win money and win big and um it, it like that's those jobs working I was working you know a 35 36 hour hour week and here I happened to win more than a fortnight's wages in 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 half an hour yeah so you know do the do the maths and yeah half, half <laughs> it's pretty hour, attractive yeah it's pretty attractive yeah <laughs> yeah so what did it enable you to do once you got that windfall um well at that stage i'd um i'd borrowed money off mum and dad um and i can't remember what it was for but um uh like mum and dad weren't eagerly ca- you know they wanted the money back obviously but they they went they went stressed about it yeah. and, I, and i was able to pay them back quick smart and and um yeah so that that was the major beneficiary of that um win at the time and so did you find um, gambling provided you with a reasonable income or was it a drain really it it was a it was a drain because i you you remember all the big wins but you don't remember all the <laughs> the little all, losses all yeah. the losses in, in, in between like you, you might have one huge win but a number of small losses but those small losses soon added up to many multiples of your of your big wins yeah yeah so how did you Afford to gamble. What was your mechanisms? Um, if I can use, if I, if you can pardon my French, I was a, a tight ass. Yeah. When it comes to everything else, everything yep. else, <laughs> yeah. Food, um, eating out, like yeah, you just try and cut back as much as possible on food. You, you try and look at ways to economise, minimise expense expenses, and um. You know, you you keep the lights off. You don't put the heater on during winter. You don't go to the movies. You 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 buy all the you look for all the specials in the supermarkets, and and that's how you can try and afford to to, to gamble. Okay, um, and gambling's a very individual thing, isn't it? When you're sitting there gambling, you're not really thinking about anybody else. Uh, no, no, unless it's the the, the sporting team that you're trying to. <laughs> Then you, if you're trying to follow, then you're thinking about them and why yeah. aren't they doing better? Yeah. But um, no, it's very it's very tunnel vision and and very focused. Yeah. Um. So, you, as a gambler, you spend a lot of time without money. Yep. And economising. Mm-hmm. So when you do have a win, are you able to sort of set yourself up? Do you do things that will allow you to enjoy life for a while? Or do you just think about gambling next? Uh, you're still thinking about gambling because you like you you might leave the venue with X amount of dollars in your in your in your pocket, but it it, it the, the urge to go back and make it many multiple times more is is too strong, and and in more cases than not, you um you, you're going back gambling again before you have an opportunity to. To do something with to it. Do something yeah. with it, yeah. 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 So what was your gambling of choice? Gamble of choice. What was your game? Cards. Um, Cards, yeah. Uh, Blackjack, 21. Um, that was the only uh, game I, I liked. Um, like, I had the early dalliance with um, uh, the, Mel, uh, the the horse racing with, the, with yeah. the, the sweep, and I'd won there. But And obviously, me, me grandfather and his brother was into horse racing a little bit but um the, the concept of betting on um sports 
didn't appeal to me because there's too many variables, yeah. you know, weather, um, injuries, and that that sort of stuff. And so I didn't see it as a uh, as a good opportunity. Um, I saw poker machines as um, well, the term one arm bandit was yeah very um, common <laughs> very common back in the day, and that was because of the, the design of the machines. But I I took it more of a view of the uh, the, the machines being easily rigged and so I, I saw card games as an opportunity to have a chance of winning and winning winning big and uh, uh, blackjack was was the game that I liked the most yeah is it only played in casinos is that is that the legal home yes I, I, I yeah. believe so you know okay. I, well I wasn't a huge James Bond fan either but yeah. um, you know James Bond was pretty pretty big when I was growing up and Invariably, he he always did go into a um a casino to a, get a casino <laughs> as, as on on his um on his on his ventures. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? Um, so gambling, I guess, progressively isolates you. So, how did that affect your life? Um, I become irritable. I was more of a, before I started gambling, I was more of a timid sort of person, no outward displays of aggression and stuff like that. But with the gambling, yeah, there was a lot more outward outward displays of aggression. Yeah. When when you see it portrayed, gambling in that sense, it's pretty, uh, contro- looks controlled. Mm. So how did how did you fit into that quiet scene? First of all, all right, because you know, I, I it was something I enjoyed doing, and it, as you said, it was an isolating experience, and um, I was in my element there. But you know, when you when you lose, then you you, you start to branch out and in, into areas that you don't want to go. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, how how frequently? Did you end up gambling? Um, you talked before about doing it once a month or yeah, so. Yeah, when I, when, I, when I first started in the casino, so I started up in Canberra, and then when I moved back to Melbourne in, in the casino down here, um, every four to six weeks to begin with. And then when I, and then when I started uh, gambling as a compulsive gambler, it was two or three times a day. Right, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. I go in the morning, before work, lunchtime, after work sometimes, and just depends on how much the um, the money held held up. Okay, um, so were you able to stop gambling for any period? Yeah, um, October twenty sixth, two thousand and twelve. I, I um, was at the casino. I'd, I'd lost and. Uh, I was watching another fellow play, and I, I I watched saw myself in his behaviour at the table, and I didn't like what I saw, and I was determined not to go back. And I was successful for almost five years. Um, so between the end of October two thousand and twelve and early June two thousand and seventeen, I had that period of um, abstinence. Um, re-offended again in July 17 yeah. and haven't gambled since. Right, 
Okay. Um, so what was it about his behaviour that you, um, I, well, I guess you, you felt was so similar to you that you could identify your issue? I think this, the, there was the hitting of the table. There was the passive-aggressive tone towards the dealer, um, the blaming the dealer. Um, blaming the casino, it just that, that were the three main elements that I, I saw. Yeah, and before that, you hadn't really thought of that. No, I I, I probably considered it a, a possibility, but it was in the in the back of the mind, and it and it wasn't really sinking in that how I was acting while I was gambling, and um, it was just one of those things that slowly crept into the forefront over a period of several months yeah so did you ever try and get yourself excluded from casinos no 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 because i i am um, i, I did, suppose it I, wasn't around then was it or? um it was but um it wasn't well known and um uh it it's just something i didn't consider because i didn't think it would be enforced by the um casino because it wouldn't be in their best interest to have a customer you know <laughs> excluded <laughs> Somebody with some money. Yeah, okay. Well, listen, we might take uh, a quick break. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up, and we're still talking about revolution. Ah. You're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial, and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, If you'd like to listen to one of our previous shows, we have over 105 episodes available as podcasts on our website, which is 3cr.org.au forward slash livingfree. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can uh, call via 3CR on 94198377 or email us 3crlivingfree at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter as 3crlivingfree. Uh, I'm talking with Rebecca about recovering from compulsive gambling with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Rebecca, um, what's it like then not having a lot of money and waiting for that pay to come in? So... How how does that sort of play out for you? Uh, it was very difficult. Um, like during the the depths of my addiction, I um, used to to on on a paid payday. I used to wait up for the night, couldn't go to sleep, be on the phone uh, refreshing just to wait till my um, uh, pay come in. And the moment I come in, I was only a, a quick ten minute walk from the uh, casino, and I was down there as quick as a, a flash to. And I usually gambled it away um, 
in a, in an hour or two, and that made it difficult, obviously, for the rest of the fortnight. Um, like I had to pay rent and ha- had to wait and that sort of stuff, and I was down to you know one one bowl of wheat bix per day eating, and and uh, for me that was um uh, <laughs> <That's not> a <laughs> lot. <laughs> that was that was a bit difficult, you know. I um uh you know when I, one one of the fears I do have is being hungry and starving and that sort of stuff and being down to one bowl of food a day was um was it was difficult and wondering when I was gonna if I was gonna get kicked out of my home or if I was gonna end up on the streets or or, yeah. or what or you know lose my job or but um you know thankfully I, I I got through it. Yeah. So did gambling affect your job in the end? Your ability to do your job? It did affect it um for a bit because it, it got to the point where I'd um, like normally I'd take a half hour for lunch, forty-five minutes tops, and uh, try and you know leave earlier than later. We had flexible working times, but with yeah. the height of my gambling, I I was taking two two and a half hours for wow for yeah. for, for lunch, and I just didn't want to go back, and so like it it hurt me to hell to to um. To, to, to leave the casino to to go back to to work and yeah. so did work realise what was what was happening? Uh, there were a couple of people as as individuals who be, who become aware of my problem without me having to say anything. But um, yeah. work as a whole were 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 not aware, and um, they they just thought it was a behavioural issue and uh, a, like a personal issue and and didn't link it with gambling. Okay. They just thought you were just not coming back to work for your own reasons. Yeah, well, I... I, Like, I... Because of the bullying and that, that at school, I had interpersonal schools with people and um, didn't get along greatly with the, the people at work and they just thought accepted it was... That. Accepted that was the yeah. reason and, and, and didn't link it with gambling. Right. So, at what point did you start to think your gambling is becoming a problem to you? When I uh, when I started running out of money it was, was obviously the first indicator but the for me it it was my behaviour that was was leaving my subconscious and, and entering my conscious self and I started Realizing that perhaps my behaviour while I was at the table gambling was was not the best. Like I was, I think I was showing signs of of, of um, being an unpleasant person, either towards the staff or um, towards fellow patrons, and you know hitting the table. And if I lost, and you know just throwing my arms about and my head back in disgust and rolled my eyes if the yeah. if the cards didn't go my way and. Yeah. And um, I know I could see myself. It was like starting to look like the mirror was turning around on me, and I could I could see my behaviour. And that's when I realised that um, you know perhaps this is not the not the life for me. Yeah. So when did you hear about Gamblers Anonymous? A one of the one of the colleagues at work who who well, there's two colleagues at work who who realised I had a problem. One, one of them was already a member of the Gamblers Anonymous. Okay, and he he came up one day and suggested that I um I I go and visit, and that was late two thousand and eleven, 
and I was a bit resistant at first, but um, he, he kept on suggesting it, and finally the message sunk in. Yep. So what did you? F- how did you find your first GA meeting? It was intimidating on many fronts. It was at the Mooney Ponds meeting, and um, it was interesting because at the time I lived in the CBD and my sister lived out at Mooney Ponds and I used to walk to her place for tea one night a week and that just happened to me on the night that the Mooney Ponds meeting was being held and of course she didn't know I was a compulsive gambler and when I went to go go home and it was my usual time to go home I, I had to turn left and go around the block and go off to the meeting so if I went right my sister would be watching me leave and if I turned right she'd be wondering where I was going yeah, to yeah so, but it was intimidating because, um, because first of the, the size of the meeting, um, there was probably twenty five to thirty people. Wow, big there. meeting! It was a big meeting, yeah. yeah. And of course, not being a much of a people person, that was <laughs> that was intimidating in it, in itself. And um, when it got to the personal therapy section of the meetings, just hearing other people speak and some of their stories and their, what they went through with gambling, I knew I wasn't, it just wasn't me. Yep. It was um, it was other people as well who had similar stories and uh, it was intimidating to hear those stories but it was good to hear them as well because I also knew that I wasn't um, alone. Yeah. So... But the, you know, I, I had an opportunity to speak that first night, and not everyone, not everyone did. And uh, thankfully, they, when it gets to the personal therapy part of the meeting, they usually wait until you know at least probably half a dozen other people have spoken before they let new members yeah. have a have a speak, so they can get a bit of an idea of yep. um, formats and things. Formats, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so, what was it like admitting you had a problem? Was it freeing? It, was it? It was. It was. It was good because at the GA meeting, because I was amongst people who shared my my yeah. problem, so I wasn't going to. <laughs> I wasn't going to surprise anyone. No. And um, because I'd been to like psychiatrists before for um, other issues, my you know people skills and that sort of stuff, and I did mention to them about um, uh, the gambling. I found talking about gambling to psychiatrists a lot more difficult than opening up at a GA meeting, because you know psychiatrists all their knowledge is is learnt rather than experienced. Yeah, yeah it's all theoretical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it was really it was. Once, once it was a bit difficult, a bit nervous opening up the, the first time at a meeting. But you know, it, it was once you had got your problem out there, it was you were accepted by friends and who, who just wanted to help you and help themselves. Yeah, yes, that's right. Um, so, did did you find that you could stay in Gamblers Anonymous from the start, or was it difficult for you to stop gambling? The size of the meeting at Mooney Ponds was an initial concern for me. Um, it was 
a place that I found that was going to be of help to me, but I had to find the right medium. Yep. And one of the one of the guys I met at Mooney Ponds suggested I try another meeting over at um, Carlton, which is where I attend now. And, and I went to the Carlton meeting in October 2012, middle of t- October 2012, and it was a more manageable 10 to 15 people. It was a comfortable fit for me. Yep. People were nice. The format at the meeting was, was fantastic, and I knew I was home and, and welcome, and, and that was going to give me the best opportunity to 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 beat this addiction. Yeah. So how did it, how did your how did you start addressing your gambling problem? By listening to other other people talking to other other members. You know, why why did they start gambling? What what did they do to to um uh abstain and and I uh looked at the program and although the the, the, the actual program didn't sit well with me from a from a, a religious point of view um the, the 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 message that was trying to get across purely from a gambler's anonymous point of view resonated with me and um and I, I knew i could speak to people about what i'd been through and and they were going to be able to help me so it was the personal id yeah section of the meeting that um was of great assistance yeah so one of the things I was going to ask you was about um, the feeling when you're gambling. When you're sitting at, at, at the table playing blackjack for what could be hours, what's it like in that, in that zone? Because a lot of the um, pokies gamblers talk about getting in the zone. So do you, as a blackjack player, do you get into the zone? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, um, and what's that it's, like? It's a it's a different zone, obviously, compared yeah. to when you're you're, you're winning or, or or losing, and yeah. um, sometimes you can lose pretty quick. Sometimes it can be a, a gradual process. So, um, I always had like strategies in place as to how I was going to play, depending on how uh, results were going, and and you know, which, which is. Uh, when I got into a zone, like it, it, that's one of the reasons why I spent two and a half, three hours at, at my lunch break gambling because I was just so focused on the gambling, lost a lot of track of time. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just strategizing and and trying to work out how you're going to how you're going to win. Yeah. So it it must take a lot of mental energy then to to do that when you're playing blackjack to continually be looking at the odds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well it doesn't doesn't matter yeah, for me it was blackjack but it doesn't matter what the what the um betting is, whether it's horse racing or 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 whatever and um you know you got you you invest a lot of mental energy in, in supporting what you're doing and whether it's cards or a football game or um yeah. horse racing. So yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that um, in gambling you have two lives: you have the life that you lead that everybody else sees, and the life that you lead that only you see when you're gambling. Mm-hmm. So, what's it like having keeping those two separate from your work colleagues, from your family? Is that difficult? Yes. Yeah. It. it um. Yeah, because I like. It, obviously, the, you 
it's it comes down to the amount of money and and you you're obviously you're always losing your money so you've always got to try and find ways to to get money and that in, invariably involves family and and friends and and in extreme cases from 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 work and yep. and uh you know eventually it, it can get too much and 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 you come to the realization that you know like at, at some point enough's got to be enough yep Okay. Well, listen, we might take another break. Come on, come in and hear the best live pop music from around town. It's your chance to tune in, so come on, come in. Live on Thursdays, 3pm, 3CR, 8.55am. You're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, community radio, and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. Uh, I'm talking with Rebecca, and we're talking about recovering from compulsive gambling with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Rebecca, did you have any problems with your family knowing about your gambling? Did you tell them or not? Uh, no, never never told them. Yep. Although one day, my, uh, probably earlier this year, one of my sisters did say to me that the closest thing I ever had to an addiction was, was gambling. So um, without realising it, she's pretty close to the to the mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, so e- even if you borrowed money from your family, you didn't, you didn't have to admit that you were gambling with it? No, because no. Um, whenever I did borrow money, it was for a, a legitimate purpose and I, I told them what it was what it was for and yeah they they didn't question it and they always got paid back so there was, there was no 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 dramas there yeah so how did you manage your your funding then given that you spent your salary the day it came in so you must have had other lines of credit and things like that yeah um i purchased a home in 98 and then sold that and bought another property in 2005 and and this is before I become a compulsive gambler managed to, to obviously draw down the cap uh, pay it pay that off to a certain extent yeah. but I had access obviously to the to the capital extra excess capital and that and um, managed to get uh, credit cards I didn't need and personal loans I um, that were intended to pay bills that somehow ended up being, being used for gambling. Yeah. So did that uh, present a problem to you, you know, having all that um, debt? Yes, yes. Um, one, one, um, I struggled to pay me rent and sometimes I was three, four, five weeks behind on that and quite my, my landlord should have quite rightly had every right to kick me out of the where I was living and um, uh, down to, you know, limited f- food per 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 day yeah. and um so it, it did, did present um major problems and bills were being paid late and that, that sort of thing and yeah so i knew i was um something <laughs> needed to be done in trouble yeah so did did you find that your because of the way you're eating did you find that affected your health uh yes yes um i 
yeah, I, I from the mid two thousand and twelve, I did develop a number of health um, problems. Some of it was uh, related to my diet, and some of it just was just just normal just, stuff. Just normal, yeah, rough and tumbles of life. Yeah. Okay. Um, so obviously, after you sold your house, you had to find other accommodation. So did you buy another house or? No, no. I, um, it at that point in my life. Um, when I saw that, I I stopped gambling to a um, to a point, and um, I realised that the the issues that were my trigger points for for gambling was was too much for me. So I sold the um, sold the home, quit the job I was in because that was a major um, uh, contributor to my gambling, and, and found other forms of of um, Providing income for myself, and um, and I'm on a. I'm, I'm not saying I'm on a. I'm out of the woods yet, but it might might. I'm in a lot happier space now. Without the the, the financial, there's some financial stress there, but yeah. um, it's it's. I'm in a much better space than what I was when I was gambling. Right. Okay. Um. So. Um. So when you're working. And gambling, um, it it must have been um, very stressful if you were gambling multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you get through the day? It was it was very difficult. Um, like I was, I was in probably in some part I was living in denial as well, um, and to the compulsive gambler also you. Yeah, you're in fantasy land about your abilities to to win win money. So, you know, I, I was always one big big win away from from solving all my problems. So, from one point of view, it was difficult, but from another point of view, I was in the middle of a illness that um was that I didn't understand. Yeah. So, what was it about Gamblers Anonymous that helped you to to address the issue? I think it was the fellow, the fellow members. They they uh, make you realise that um, gambling is is not a it's not a solution. It's a it's a problem, and you know it is it, it's it's something that you, you may not hit on straight away, but eventually the the message does. Yeah, the penny drops. Yeah, the penny, the penny drops, and it sinks, and eventually sinks in. Yeah. Um, so what, I guess we were talking earlier about the fact that Gamblers Anonymous gives you hope. So what was the hope, what hope did you find? That a life away from gambling is a, is a better life, um, where, where you work hard, if you work hard, the harder you work, the, the, um, the, the better the life will, will be, you, you'll, You'll you'll sort your finances out. Your relationships with other people will will Im- will improve, and um, you'll you'll be a significantly better person as as a result. You know, you, you, you people gamblers can't see the the person that they are until it's pointed out to them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, once you once you get rid of the gambling, then your 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 life can improve 
um, significantly. Okay. Um, so what is it about the GA members that help you, you know, that, that allow them to help you? What is it about their behaviour? They don't judge. They're there to support you. They're there to listen to you. They're there to offer you advice if, you, if you're willing to accept it. And uh, they're, they're, as, a, as a sounding board, you know, you can, you can bounce ideas off any member and uh, no one member's got all the answers, but the, the, uh, the, whole, G, the whole membership fellowship is, is there to support you and, and um, multiple people can, can provide input and, 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 and help you in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do they have good bullshit detectors? Can you can you bullshit them? You can you can bullshit anyone. Um, yeah. At, at any any time, you know. Like, um, I thought about lying, going into GA meetings and and lying to the to the group, but um, but I thought I'd be, I, you know, first I've got to lie to myself and and you know, like I'm only I'm only I'm not helping myself. If I'm going to go in there and, and lie, and and I'm there to be helped, yeah. So you know, it just de- defeats the whole purpose of lying. So you know, eventually it gets t- it, it, the, the truth will come out. Yeah. So I guess the other thing is that people at GA have helped themselves, mm-hmm. you know, with help yep. of others, um, and so it, it's about knowing what you need to do, but you're the only one who can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Um, when when new members come in and 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 yet and current members share their experiences, they say it's a hard it's a hard slog to begin with to try and stop gambling, and it's not easy. And and the fellowships can't um, can't do the work for you, and they they make it quite clear you're the one that's got to do the hard work. We're, we're here to support you, and um, as as best we can, and. And um, yeah. Um, so again, you've you've had a couple of breaks from GA. So what's it like going back into the meeting after you've had a break? Is it is it easy or is it difficult? I think the first visit is the most the most difficult because you got you got to admit that you've got a um, that you've got a problem. Yep. Um, yeah. Again. If, yeah, but if you have if. If you stop going, then um, the the obvious conclusion is that you, you've you've busted, and um, so to to go back and seek help again is is not an issue because people, you know, the mem- the fellowship under- understands that, that it's not an easy um, process to go through, and and it's non judgmental. So each if you bust and go back again, it's not as difficult. To admit that you failed, as it was for the f- previous times. Yeah. So, have you called on other members, phoned them to to get help when you feel you're in a difficult situation? Not, not often. Um, I'm not the type to win up someone and say I've got a problem. I need to talk about it. I there, there is one or two members who I might just text and I might just say, "Oh, it's a nice day today, isn't it?" And just start a conversation and and. You know, if I'm talking about the weather, then I'm, then I'm not talking about you know, gambling or yeah. something like that. So that, that that's the way I would yeah. would, would approach it myself. But um, you know, diff, 
it's different different methods for different people. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what, what parts of the program do you find most helpful? Uh, we have a we have a little section called 20, 20 questions and and um, then there's a page seventeen of the of the book of the two two aspects of the membership that I find most helpful um, because the, the the twenty questions just basically is a goes through all the um, yeah if you do this yeah yeah, yeah, if yeah. You, like um making home life unhappy or do you have an urge to go back if you have a big win and that sort of stuff and it just highlights all the major points of a of gambling and page 17 just basically reiterates a, a do not do list or do and do not list like go to meetings and don't tempt yourself by going back into a venue or just just little helpful hints like that yeah have you found yourself wanting to go back to a venue just for your own uh, interest or not? Yeah. Um, well, I first abstained end of October 2012, and between then and my next bust in middle of 2017, I did go back to my old favourite venue and just to see if the still favourite tables were there and that, that sort of stuff. And um, once I busted, I realised that that was a mistake because I was I was tempting myself, and that's one of the things that the program t- tries to teach you is to not um not tempt yourself. So it, it's it's a it's a always a work in progress. Okay, um, so um, friendships you've made in GA. Mm-hmm. So what I found, you know, going to a twelve step program myself was that the people in in the rooms would know more about me than my family did. Mm-hmm. Do you find that with with your fellowship, you know, in GA, that do, do the people in the meetings know more about you than your family? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, um, I feel that uh, the the fellowship need to know more about me to be able to help me. Yeah, yeah. than. Because they're, they're the ones that I'm relying on to su- support and help me. So, you know, for them to be able to help me, they need uh, to have a, a better understanding of, of who I am. So, mm. yes, they, they probably do know more about me than than um, my family. Yep. <laughs> Strangely enough, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, listen, we're just about at time. So um, if somebody out there would like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, uh, then you can phone them on 03 9696 6108 or you can go online at gaustralia.org.au. So that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Rebecca for coming into 3CR Studio and sharing her Gamblers Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about recovering from problem gambling and we'll be joined by Kaz and Catherine from Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Uh, thanks to listening to the Living Free program today. And to take us out, I'll play you um, Flame Trees by Sarah Blasco. Driving Saturday afternoon, just.
just pass me by. I'm just savoring familiar sights. We shared some history, this town and I. And I can't stop that long forgotten feeling of hurt. Time to. Just fall. 